Radio. This is Catholics Read on Cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, we are looking at Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's last testament in his own words, uh, which is quite an... Victoria was pointing this out, that it is um, very different to every other text that we've done so far. Oh, I'd like to say what your response to that was. (laughs) This is all just quickly rushing off to Mass. I said, oh, you know, just even from a format perspective, we should do this just because it's different to anything we've done. I mean, it's a transcript of an interview. Luke's like, yeah, well, that's what a play is (laughs) like. (laughs) <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. I can see I can see you know what? I can see why you'd think that because it, you know, in a play it's like Algernon, um, colon, blah 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 blah, Ernest, colon, blah 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 blah. And in this one it would be very similar, interviewer, interviewee. Yeah. However <laughs> Yeah, it well it is different. I mean it's Ital it's not like it's italics then non italics. Like that's oh, really? Oh yeah. that's awesome. So like that. I like that. Um, Which is helpful and not as, like, I guess it saves paper. (laughs) That's helpful because Mm. you don't have to be. But anyway, completely uh, (laughs) trivial matters. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Um, Yes. So it's his last book, um, and I guess it's technically not written by him, um, but it's he's the listed author. And it was written after the end of his pontificate um, through a series of interviews with Peter Seald, who is an interviewer that he's had a couple of books with, um, Salt of the Earth, which was when he was Cardinal, I think, and Light of the World when he was Pope. So I guess this kind of rounds out the trilogy of interviews that Peter Seald, who's a German religion journalist. And as Sherlock Holmes would say, there's something very comforting about the number three. Yeah, there is. It, it rounds it out nicely and it will most, most probably be, unless there's a, just a radical change in Pope Benedict's thinking, um, the last words that we have from him on paper mm. in a published book form. Basically, it's somewhat a collection of memoirs because it was initially intended, uh, I think the very first interview's might have been intended to be um, a biography that Peter Seward was going to put together. And then his resignation happened. um, And so just, I guess, in the course of the matter of time, they decided to just keep it as a kind of interview format um, rather than just be notes for biography, which is one of its weaknesses. It can be a little bit like um, I probably wouldn't read it as like the biography of Pope Benedict XVI because it's more like, I guess, reflections on certain parts of Pope Benedict's life. Hmm. Um, it's nice hearing it in his own words, though. I often, when I'm reading a, a biography, I do wonder what's happened in the process. Not that I'm suggesting I don't know who this guy is. He would do, he would change something. But just sometimes I think, hmm, I don't think that's the way the person would have put it, especially well, if, they're, if they're deceased. There's already, me- so Pope Benedict wrote some memoirs back when he was cardinal called mm. Milestones um, in English. And it was like 1998. So, it's 20, it's 20 years ago. And so, this kind of like fills in, I guess, the 20-year blank there, but also goes back. Most of the book is probably about the earlier part of his life. Mm, um, cool. And so, it is interesting just to sort of hear Pope Benedict. I think what I find really interesting about it is just hearing Pope Benedict speak. He speaks in a slightly different manner to how he writes, I think. Can you um, describe both of those? Well, he's just a lot more relaxed, know. I guess, in his <laughs> in his speaking. Um, okay. And you can tell he's like quite, he's quite a, um, 
in some ways a much more bright character than you would like his writing is very like it's very easy to read um and it's not like he's very stoic or anything in his writing um but he i guess he's a little bit more free-flowing because Mm -hmm. it's a transcript you Mm -hmm. know he's not sitting there thinking about writing or anything like that um he's just talking and they're just writing down what he's talking what he's speaking Anyway, I guess there's a lot of things that can be talked about with this. Um, I guess for me, one of the fascinating things was to sort of see his thoughts sort of around the Second Vatican Council and um, how I've heard it sort of mentioned before that he kind of has changed since the Second Vatican Council. He was a little bit more liberal back then. I get the impression from this book that that's not true. Um, I think he's the same as he always was. Um, But it's, I guess, in a sense that his oh look i actually don't really want to go into to politics so i won't i won't um but yeah i i guess what i what i do want to talk about actually one of the things that really stuck out for me in this was just how charitable he is i find it really interesting his charity and one section that i found this in um was a bit where the journalist is kind of pushing him uh on on something and that is um his which I didn't really know the extent of uh, before reading this, but kind of like this consistent, uh, I guess, conflict, you could say, between him and uh, the Swiss theologian Hans Kung, um, who is quite liberal. I don't know what you would call him, but I guess a liberal theologian um, and very much, I guess, is championed by the sort of liberal movement. Um, So sort of thinkers, Catholic thinkers and Catholic commentators who aren't necessarily um, on the side of orthodoxy. Um, But Pope Benedict, formerly uh, Cardinal or Father Joseph Ratzinger, um, and Hans Kung were once colleagues um, in Germany at a university. And the journalist, uh, Peter Seward, is sort of attempting to try and push him on this point of the fact that in the Years after they sort of parted ways, they kind of went in very different directions. Um, Hans Kung was starting to go much more, I guess you could say, against orthodoxy, whereas Pope Benedict was very much sticking to orthodoxy and saying, you know, we can't go down that line because we'll no longer be Catholic. They sort of, Hans Kung has emerged as a very prominent critic of um, Pope Benedict in a somewhat very nasty way, um, having all sorts of accusations against Pope Benedict, you know, that... Yeah, basically the about power grabbing or, or holding on to power and things like that. Just very, very nasty kind of accusations. Yeah, I just found that Pope Benedict's charity is quite interesting because he you can see that he kind of very much um, interprets Hans Kung's actions in possibly the most charitable way. You know, people could become very bitter about about a person who who was formerly, I guess you could say, a friend, perhaps, who's become a constant enemy who's in the media constantly um, trying to bring you down and and ruin your reputation in front of others uh, is, is the impression that I get um, from of, of, of what's perhaps happening here. And Pope Benedict, instead of being quite bitter about it and saying, oh, this bloke's a heretic, who cares, like, and all this kind of thing, he just simply says, well, you know, he's gone on a different path to what I have. I don't know what problem he has with me exactly. Um, And I simply just have to accept that this is one of these things in life that happens. There are some people that just don't like you, which is astounding, (laughs) I think, because, like, you would be very tempted into um, just becoming very begrudging and, like, as Pope, you know, 
he could have really shut him down big time, but mm. he didn't. You mm. know, he didn't. Um, and th- it it lines up very much with other things that I've heard about Pope Benedict with with certain situations that have happened in the church where things have not gone right and people have been very critical of him. Um, and when the truth has come to light, you can see that Pope Benedict has handled things very charitably, has presumed personal responsibility um, for problems that have happened, if, if necessary. He won't assume personal responsibility in a kind of false humility way. Um, but if he thinks, oh, you know, there may have been an issue, maybe they didn't understand me properly or something like that, he'll take that line. Um, and I think he's a real model, I think, for Christian charity in that, one, he doesn't allow himself to attack another person. But two, he doesn't allow that person's attacks to weigh him down either. Because you can be very outwardly, Mm. I guess, like, oh, well, I'm not going to respond to that. But you're really just repressing your frustration and your anger against another person, you know, until one day it might explode. He doesn't do that. He very much takes a genuinely charitable thing. It's almost like he actually really cares about the state of Hans Kung's soul and really wants to be in heaven with him, you know. Um, he he wants that, and it's quite beautiful. Um, I think he really, Pope Benedict in that, uh, really is a model for me, um, you know, that if there are people in life that you encounter that just really don't like you, that want to make your life absolutely miserable for whatever reason, you know, to try and handle it with, with grace and with charity, and it must be from the help of God that he's able to do this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you think, Victoria? Mm. Um. <laughs> It's a lot to take in. I think two things came to mind, and one is that even if even if he actually is repressing it all and just saying these things, I'm not saying he is. The, what you're saying, I think, is probably because we can't read his mind. I know we can't mean, read yeah. his mind. We can't read his heart. But even if that is the case, the fact that he's outwardly putting that forth is the best and is the best step and the, and one of the first steps to truly being that way. Something that I'll never forget is that um, P- uh, Peter Kreeft says in his podcast on prayer for beginners, fake it till you make it. Mm. If you don't like prayer um, or if you don't know how to pray, follow people that do. And at some point it will become what you're trying to make it. Fake it till you make it. And I find that that's the way with charity as well because, you know, we, we all have problems with charity and forgiving people and you're always going to come across people in life that don't like you for whatever reason. Someone's always going to have a problem with you. And it's very easy to just to lash out and to, and to kind of face them in the same way that they face you and sometimes that's with harsh words mm. um, or just getting very personal and and very, very hurtful. So, yeah, the first step I would say is, Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Even if you hate what's coming out of your mouth, these words of love and forgiveness and, um, I mean, don't lie, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. fake it till you make it. I don't yeah. really know what I want to say about that, but yeah, that, that came to mind. And there was one other thing that, um, no, it's gone. I don't That's know. Right. Perhaps, perhaps the first thing was only the, the only thing I was meant to say. Okay. Just coming to mind while, while you were talking there and I think, perhaps towards the end of, like, when when I was speaking. Pope Benedict appears to have, like, because I was just thinking about, like, you know, as I was reading this, you sort of get very much an impression of that Pope Benedict is someone who has uh, a complete, in, 
I, I don't know how to put it. I, I was initially thinking control over himself, but that's a weird way of putting it. But like a certain complete integrity of, of person. And I mean that in the sense mm-hmm. that like, it's not as though he's like being constrained in here or anything. He's completely free. Like in the interviews, you get this impression of like, you know, there's real freedom in his character and that kind of thing um, and freedom to express himself. But yeah, he, that he has like, I guess, a certain sense of like, um, yeah, I guess integrity. And I guess that comes with with an increase in holiness, one could mm. say, you know, like, and yet at the same time, you know, as I said, like much of that charity, um, I don't know how to describe, but just like the way when, when you read it, you, you get the impression of this certain integrity of character, integrity of person from him. And I guess that is something that comes from, that comes from holiness, that comes from a life of prayer, that comes from someone who has such a strong devotion to the Eucharist and to, to Christ in the Mass um that having that relationship and and he talks about this at at the start of at the start of the book you know that he's not a mystic you know he's not someone that has um you know that has had appearances of Christ to him or or, or anything like that but he's someone who has most certainly the presence of Christ with him all the time and not in like a not in a figurative way like in a quite a literal way that he has the presence of Christ with him and he has that sense of Christ being with him um in a very real way um yeah and i guess that probably like you know he's 90 <laughs> so it's um like over a long period of time you know he's been able to build that up although mind you he does mention that things actually get harder as you get older not easier really? <laughs> yeah Aww. that's what that's what he said like you sort of have this you have this idea that it's like as you get older things get like things get easier you know in the spiritual life but he sort of gives the impression that it's actually the opposite he was also pope though you know <laughs> he was pope and i think you start like when you're younger, it's a lot easier for you to, you're a bit more malleable. You can sort of adapt to different situations okay. and you can change. But as you get older, you sort of get stuck in habits and things like that. That's um, very true. And so it probably becomes like, whereas now, you know, if I get challenged by something, you know, okay, typical me, it'll probably take like a long time to convince me that I need to change on that. But I'll try, you know, <laughs> I'll be able to, to try. Whereas when you're Luke older. Luke at 80 on the porch with his gun, like, you know. <laughs> Might not. (laughs) No, no. uh, I hope that never happens. Um, But, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess the other thing that I wanted to conclude with, and it was really interesting, like, while I was reading through this book, I just completely forgot about this, but something that has really stuck out for me for Pope Benedict is just the importance of love in his life and his just real... um, his real concrete um, knowledge that God is love. Um, sometimes we can sort of have this impression that that's really a Pope wasn't, Francis wasn't kind of that idea. Wasn't the first sentence? He, wasn't that the first thing first he wrote? First encyclical is yeah. Deus Caritas Est, yeah. God is love. Yeah. Um, and But he just has these, and I'm not going to share them with you, um, not only because it's possibly a copyright infringement, but also because I don't <laughs> want to spoil it. Um, but, like, just the last part of this book where he sort of is just being asked by the... Um, by the interviewer about, like, you know, like, (laughs) what's going to be on his gravestone and things like that. (laughs) But just, like, his last question is just in relation to love in his life. And just his reflection on it is very candid. Like, it's a very casual answer in that. But it's so profound and so beautiful. And it was, like, I just wanted to cry, like, after reading it. It was just, like, so, you know, like, that this is the defining part of his life. I think if you were to define Pope Benedict's 
probably most important teaching. It is that God is love. And that was certainly it for me. When I read um, Introduction to Christianity, which was a book he wrote in the 1960s and is amazing, probably one of the best books I've ever read, um, just the thing that I kept getting out of that over and over and over again was God is love. Everything in the universe comes down to this principle. God is love and no- nothing else comes down to that. It uh, comes down to anything else uh, except that, that God is love. And that is the guiding principle. Um, and this sense that like the more you sort of try and think about that and the more you delve into it, it's like, it's fascinating like that, that God is love, that God is a trinity of persons. Like that is who God is, is that he is a community of complete love. Um, and that is who who he is, is love. Like it's just Pope Benedict, I think, in, in Introduction to Christianity and then also in his later works, I think very much um, has that knowledge. And sometimes, you know, we can get very technical and analytical and theoretical about God and who God is and what God does and things like that. We can lose this sense of the fact that God is not a sub, is not rather, God is not an object for us to study. God is not something, you know, far away um, or something that we just read about, but that God is love itself. And if God is love itself, I'm called into a relationship with him. Um, And that goes much further than, you know, than just reading about God, knowing about God. So, yeah, I guess that's where I wrap up. Um, I, I would recommend reading this if you were just interested in reading about Pope Benedict's life. I probably wouldn't, as I said, I wouldn't recommend it as like a biography or something like that. But if you followed Pope Benedict's works, it's just fascinating to read about his life at different points in time um, and about his pontificate and just about his reflections. It is really great to just hear from Pope Benedict just being casual, um, you know, and just being able to look back on his life from where he is now. He's now a man of prayer. He lives in a monastery. Oh, um, I've never thought about where he lives or what he does. Which monastery? He lives in uh, Mater Ecclesiae Monastery, um, which was built under the pontificate of St. John Paul II for cloistered nuns whose entire life is devoted to praying for the intentions of the Pope. Very St. John Paul II thing to do. Um, he's like, I need as much prayer as I can get, so I'm going to get a whole bunch of cloistered nuns <laughs> to just pray. <laughs> pray, for, pray for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and for what I need to do um, and, and my intentions. Um, and so he's living there now. Um, and I guess he's kind of looked after by them and, and he prays for the church. That's what he does now. He's basically like St. Benedict. <laughs> he's gone off, you know, into the, into the monastery. Um, wow. And that's what he does. And on his 90th, 90th birthday, he had some beer. <laughs> some photos of him having a beer with his brother, who's older than him. Um, so he's his, still, his actual brother? His actual brother. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Imagine being brother to the Pope. Yeah. What did you do today, Bert? <laughs> did you ride an encyclical? Well, what, what's a, his actual name? Uh, he's a priest. Um, I, he's I a can't priest remember what as his well. name wow. is. Wow. Yeah. Lucky parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Last Testament. Um, oh, there's this adorable picture on the back of Pope <laughs> Benedict and Pope Francis. Actually, this was like when um, last year uh, I went to World Youth Day and we spent some time in Rome and we went to the Vatican Museums and they were showing like there was this when we were waiting for like our little, what is it, the little headphone things that you get. Mm-hmm. We were sort of. Whispers. S- sorry? 
Whispers. They're called whispers, aren't they? In this part of the... Uh, anyway. Oh, one of those ones. No, okay, one of those yeah. things where they, no, no, not where they're talking, but like you would okay. press like the number and they and would be has, like... I love those. In this exhibition, you will see. This, <laughs> this statue is based on uh, Homer's Iliad. Anyway. Um, you should go into that industry, Luke. I think it's lucrative. <laughs> you should do the voiceover things. I do voiceover things for, for museums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, the point of me talking about that was um, that that there was like they had like this t- TV set up with um, when Pope Benedict like it must have only just been recently before that that Pope Benedict came and like met with Pope Francis and like they go up and they like hug and we were like oh that's so cute it's like Pope Benedict he's like he's an old he's very frail now. And, like, he sort of goes up and, like, it's hard because I'm doing this very visually and you can't see this. I can see it, But, though. like, Victoria can see it. Um, goes up and, like, you know, they sort of embrace. And, anyway, that's the picture on the back of that. And we were oh, all like, wow. oh. Like, you know, it was very cute. So, um, but, yeah. Anyway, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Last Testament, possibly his last published words. Yeah. Go and read all the Pope Benedict the Sixteenth books. Just do it. He's awesome. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.